Marcus Stroman has come down with a tricky injury while the White Sox and Royals both have a vacancy to fill in their outfield. Like death and taxes, Dodger's been a Dodger. <laughs> I have but, not had uh, three co-brews uh, yet. It works great in a fantasy league. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15. On The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball in 15 for Thursday, July 23rd, also known as Opening Day. Yeah. I'm and I am here with the areas, Michael <laughs> Beller. There it is, getting out of draft mode into in-season mode on uh, July 23rd. I freaking love it, Al. I freaking <laughs> love it. It's finally here. It, it, there's, there's a little bit of symmetry in that that should have been four months ago that we were starting opening day, that we were ex- as excited about opening day as we are today. But we are here. Opening day is here. I am so pumped. I can't wa- wait to watch these games tonight. I can't wait to watch so much baseball over the weekend. This is excellent, man. I am pumped. Absolutely. So, yeah, we got the two games on Thursday night. So before I settle into dinner, because I'm in, in mountain time, I'm going to have some Yankees and Nationals to watch. Unbelievable. What could be better? Just hours away. Hours away. So that's coming up. And then, of course, we got the later game on the West Coast Giants and Dodgers. And uh, it's a lineup set in time if you haven't done that already. Um, of course, people are playing in all different sorts of configurations, doubling up the first two weeks, playing the short week, splitting the difference. Uh, but if you are playing the short week, just remember that you got the Dodgers and Giants, both with four games this week. So, And you got the uh, Orioles and uh, Red Sox, probably scoring a lot of runs against each other. Even the Orioles. Even the Orioles Even are going to do Even the Orioles. It. Everyone's excited. I figured you, of all people, Michael Beller, would be on board with that uh that prognostication. Hey, I mean, Orioles. those are the two worst teams in the East right there. Two worst teams in the AL East, Orioles and Red Sox. So, yeah, let's throw the runs on the board. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. So uh, we're not even going to get into the, uh, the you know, lineup setting stuff because, again, people have all different sorts of configurations. Um, and if you got the short week, it's, you know, you're, you're just looking at the one series. So we'll get right on to the news here. And unfortunately, we do have another Blue Jays update. Uh, seemed like it was all settled. In fact, since we did the last show, Michael, it looked like that that deal for the Blue Jays to play in Pittsburgh was finalized. But uh, then on uh, Wednesday, that got undone. The state of Pennsylvania would not give the Blue Jays approval to play at PNC Park. So Blue Jays still a team without a home. Uh, They could maybe just play all their series on the road. Even the the most recent version of their schedule was going to have them play a series. I believe it was one at Yankee Stadium and one at Nationals Mm -hmm. Park and then all the rest in Pittsburgh. So, uh, yeah, I guess this just could be a wild ride that continues. Yeah, hopefully for the Blue Jays' sake, uh, they get some clarity on this very soon. Can't be easy for these guys to have no idea where they're going to be playing their home games. So hopefully we get some clarity on this, and hopefully it's something that is worked out in an equitable as possible way for the Blue Jays so we have uh, as much competitive integrity as we can have with this situation. Yeah, it's a lot to, lot to figure out. I know the, um, the Orioles are now a possible uh, host uh, for the Blue Jays at uh, – Camden Yards. So, you know, maybe that'll work out. Uh, We'll stay tuned on that one. Big, big news in baseball, maybe less big news in terms of fantasy baseball is that the uh, Dodgers and Mookie Betts are on the verge of working out a 10-year deal that's going to be worth at least $350 million. I saw one report that said that it's going to be north of Mike Trout's $360 million deal. So 
uh, a long-term, very lucrative deal for Mookie Betts. I mean, do you think there's a uh, any sort of fantasy angle here? No, I don't. Good for Mookie. Good for uh, good for him cashing in, landing with uh, a good team, a good organization in a very desirable city. I don't know if there's many better places I would rather be fabulously wealthy living my life than Los Angeles. So good for Mookie Betts, and I guess uh, happy that uh, he can move on and play this season without any idea of a contract hanging over his head. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, now this, again, is not related to the deal that he and the Dodgers are working on, but just taking a look at where projection systems had uh, Mookie Betts going into this year. And yes, I know we're, we're out of draft mode at this point. It's going to be an adjustment for all of us, I know. But it was, I just was, you know, it was curious. And I was actually surprised to find that out of um, the bat, steamer, and, um, and ATC, that uh, ATC was the only one that had bets with a, um, a roto value ranking that was commensurate with his ADP, which was fourth overall. So um, one of the systems had him seventh. One had, I think it was Steamer, had him 13th overall. Wow. And uh, yeah, breaking those down, the difference for the most part, some of it had to do with the run projection, uh, the run production projections rather. Mm-hmm. But also those were the two uh, systems out of the three that had him with the lowest batting average. And, you know, I thought about that and yeah, it's a little late, I suppose, <laughs> certainly for drafting purposes to, to come up with this analysis, but moving out of Fenway Park, uh, which is, you know, along with Coors Field, one of the, the real BABIP heavens for hitters, or, you know, want to look at it for pitchers perspective, uh, BABIP hells, um, you know, maybe that could lower uh, Betts's batting average. Um Career so far, he's a 319 hitter at home, a.k.a. Fenway Park, 285 on the road. Yeah. I mean, if you want to let me get Mookie Betts 7th or 13th, I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because that's a good way to wrap that up for us all. Those of us who did draft him to, to still feel good about that. So, uh, yeah, now he's been a normal hitter on balls and play away from Fenway Park in his career. We'll see how that, uh, that plays out this year. Well, let's get to some of the uh, more fantasy-relevant developments. Uh, not a good one for Marcus Stroman. He's got a tight calf. As of right now, it doesn't look like a big deal. Uh, he might miss his first start, so even that is not a given. But I'm going to, as I, as I do pretty much any time a calf injury comes up, I'm going to quote Jimmy Rollins, who once said that calves are tricky cats. <laughs> and uh, Marcus Stroman's tricky cat uh, is is not all well. So uh, any thoughts here in terms of, uh, you know, whether you, you go ahead with this if, if uh, you know, we still don't know what the status is when your lineup's lock? I'm probably not starting him if I have to lock in a lineup this weekend. Um, it just feels like way too tricky of a situation. And even though it's just the first start and even though every game means 2.7 times as much as it does in a typical 162-game season, hard to imagine the Mets pushing him here. So I would probably be benching him. And if he ends up starting, he ends up starting. Uh, but I just don't think you can risk it unless you get word that uh, he is going to be able to make this first outing. All right. Well, and uh, a similar situation, and this is a, a repeat of something that we we talked about uh, on a previous episode, but Anthony Rendon dealing with the oblique injury. And, you know, I've coupled these on purpose because – uh, like the calf injuries, oblique ones are are ones that oh, you're, yeah. you know, you worry about them lingering, right? So uh, we still don't know whether or not Anthony Rendon is going to be good to go for the Angels uh, opening night, which is Friday against uh, the Oakland Athletics. So uh, I know when we talked about this last, you were, you know, saying it was within the realm of of possible 
that uh, you would bench Anthony Rendon and uh, you know, what's your, has your thinking changed on that uh, since then? No, I mean, I don't see how you don't, I guess if it were, if I'm in a league where this first lineup set takes us through next weekend, takes us through the first 10 days of the season, then I probably roll the dice and bet on him coming back. If it's something where I can reconfigure my lineup on Monday, I'm probably sitting him down. Um, I actually have him in my top wars league, so it'll be a money where my mouth is situation. Uh, So uh, I'll be riding right there with you uh, if you end up sitting him, but uh, I, I just think you can't necessarily trust it and you do worry more about the long term uh, for Anthony Rendon if it is a serious oblique injury nothing you can do about that now but it is something that has to linger in the back of your minds Uh, we know what oblique injuries can do to a player's power no matter what side of the body it's on and so we just have to hope that this is a more mild oblique that they can sit him down for a handful of days here and get him back to 100 percent all right. Well, uh, you know, a lot of people are in leagues where you have daily fab or daily waiver pickups. And since opening night for the Angels isn't until Friday, uh, you may have an opportunity to grab a replacement who uh, that may be out there in, let's say, 12 team leagues uh, like a Yandy Diaz or uh, maybe Starlin Castro. Um, who Who's out there that uh, you think would be a suitable replacement? I love Yandy Diaz. Um, I mean, if he's sitting out there, I think he would be the first guy who I would go after. I think Castro fits in there, too. I think those are both two good ones. Yandy Diaz, though, would be my first guy, just off the top of the head, uh, as a guy who hits the ball really hard, who should be hitting toward the middle of the lineup in Tampa every game that he is out there. A lot of flexibility, a lot of different ways that they can use him, but... I love the fact that he was a real good barrel guy last year, a real good exit velocity guy last year. Another guy who has dealt with injuries, but hey, we know he's healthy now, and when he's healthy, he's been able to hit. So I am very excited to see him back on the field, and really, I'm really excited to see everyone back on the field. Sports are back. Have we said that enough? Sports are back. We are so happy. We are so excited here at The Athletic, and right now you can save 40% on your first year subscription with The Athletic. Don't miss exclusive in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season across every single sport. Subscribe now and save. Sign up now to see for yourself the creativity, reporting, and storytelling that sets The Athletic apart. If you go to theathletic.com slash baseball in 15, you can receive 40% off an annual subscription. Sports are back, and you don't want to miss breaking stories on your favorite teams. Go to theathletic.com slash baseball in 15 for 40% off an annual subscription. We hope and we know we will see you there. All right. So, yes, sports are back. Baseball is back within hours. Um, And let's continue on with a discussion of third base eligible players, uh, because one player as of a few days ago who would have looked like a, you know, a very suitable replacement for Anthony Rendon in uh, 10 and 12 team leagues would be Hunter Dozier. Well, he's tested positive for COVID-19. So, uh, you know, unfortunately, we're still seeing positive tests here. Hunter Dozier, one of the latest players uh, to have a positive test, Uh, I would think that uh, now again, Dozier slated to play right field for the Royals this year. Um, so, you know, he's third base eligible, but the, the real, uh, impact there in terms of playing time, I would think probably is Franchi Cordero. Uh, do you see this, uh, differently in terms of how the Royals are going to deal with Dozier's absence? No, I think, uh, I think that's absolutely right. I think that we got to, uh, b- bump Franchi Cordero up. We were already excited about him getting to a team where he was going to have more playing time than what he was expected to see in San Diego. And now 
he's likely to be seeing a whole lot more playing time right off the bat and maybe not just against righties. I mean, they do still have some things that they can do, some guys who they can move in and out of the lineup. Bubba Starling, Brett Phillips, another left-handed bat who maybe they're going to want to get out there. Uh, Michael Franco is going to slide into third base. Maybe they could move some things around and have him be in or out of the lineup as well. But I do think that Franchi Cordero now becomes someone who went from, you know, watch list or deep or 15-teamer to being uh, pretty attractive across the board. So uh, if he's sitting out there for you to grab right now, I would grab him, give him a run, and see what he can do over these first couple of weeks of the season. All right, and we've got another IL move. The White Sox putting Nomar Mazzara on the injured list. Uh, that is uh, an undisclosed condition at this point. And uh, it's already been discussed uh, in numerous reports how the White Sox are going to deal with that. And uh, you'll see either Larry Garcia or Adam Engel filling that vacancy in the White Sox outfield. Uh, you know, maybe this is uh, something that works positively for Nick Madrigal. Uh, you know, who do you see out of that trio or, you know, maybe any additional players that you have in mind? Uh, how do you see that working out? Yeah, I think Nick Madrigal actually probably is the big winner here because you can slide uh, Larry Garcia into the outfield and you can put Nick Madrigal at second base. I think Larry Garcia is going to play quite a bit for this team. They like uh, the fact that he's a switch hitter. They like the defensive versatility. Uh, I don't think it does too much for Adam Engel. I, I don't think I'm going to be all that interested in him regardless. I really think you can only find the one winner being Nick Madrigal and maybe a little bit of a better playing time bet for Larry Garcia Whoever it is is going to be hitting toward the bottom of the order. But the way this order turns over with Tim Anderson, Yuan Moncada, Jose Abreu in the top third, I mean, those are three guys you love to have hitting behind you. So, I mean, you know exactly how I feel about this White Sox offense, Al. No matter where you are in it, a lot of RBI potential, a lot of run scoring potential. And I think anyone who's going to play a fair amount for this team is at least 15-team watch list worthy, if not own worthy. So uh, anyone who is going to get uh, a bump in playing time, Larry Garcia and Nick Madrigal, the case here for the Nomar Mazzara injury, uh, are guys who I am suddenly interested in in fantasy leagues. All right. And we got one more news. I'm going to go back to the Royals for this one. Uh, Brady Singer has been announced as the Royals starter for Saturday at Cleveland. So unlike uh, Casey Mize, uh, Spencer Howard, you know, some other pitchers who we expect uh, to see uh, up fairly early. Singer's actually going to pitch this weekend, so uh, maybe not as vaunted of a prospect as uh, some of the others, but um, where do you see, since we know where he's going to pitch this week, where do you see it being worthwhile to, to pick him up? Very deep league still, um, even though we uh, are I think excited for the fact that he is going to be up and up this early. And that gives you a lot of confidence that he is someone who is going to stick around with the Royals uh, for the entire season. We're still talking about a guy who hasn't thrown a pitch in his life above double a ball last year in 90 and two thirds innings at the double a level, just 8.44 strikeouts per nine. He kept the ball in the park. He mostly stayed away from rocks or at least walks weren't a huge issue for him. Uh, that 8.44 K per nine came with a 22.1% a strikeout rate. So added up and it's not a guy who I am super enthused about. And he is on one of the teams that doesn't get an assist from being in the central because he's on one of the bad teams. <laughs> right. And you can look around the central and suddenly see Cleveland, Minnesota, uh, the White Sox, three very good lineups, potentially two of the very best in the American League in the Twins and the White Sox. And then when you cross over and play the NL, you've got some imposing lineups in Cincinnati and in the Cubs. So I do think that uh, these are one of the teams that we've been talking so much about, Central, 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 unless, that's always come with this caveat, right? right? Unless 
you're on Kansas City, Detroit, or Pittsburgh. So I'm not really giving him much of a boost. I'm probably going to let someone else go and make the uh, the run at him because there's going to be some excitement about a young pitcher like him. And I understand why, but I just can't get myself fully on board there. Yeah, probably not a great bet for strikeouts. I'm thinking maybe uh, Dakota Hudson with a better whip but fewer wins. That's my uh, my hope. Yeah, for uh, sure. That's for fair. Brady Singer. That's like a that's like a ceiling. That's a ceiling hope. Exactly. Exactly. That was, that was my hope yeah. for him, not necessarily the yeah. uh, the uh, central. Uh, expectation that I have for him. So featured read for the day. Love talking about uh, non-closer relievers who can have value. Gene McCaffrey dug into that pool, chasing relief wins. Yasmero Petit and other good setup men on good teams. Uh, check out Gene's column. And that's going to be all for this opening day edition of Fantasy Baseball in 15. Yeah, yeah Michael Beller. So for Michael, I'm Al Melchior. We'll be back here on Friday. 